Listeners, and welcome to Gotta Jabrew, the podcast where two friends talk about two of our favorite things the band Fish and Beer. I am the Lizza. And I am the Kid. And we are joined today by J3PO. I call you the Fish Guru, so that's the title I'm giving you. Can you give a nickname to an already existing nickname? I'm not giving him a nickname. I'm saying that's how I refer to him. Okay. Hi. I'm introducing him. Like, if he was on the news, it would say his name, J3PO. And then, like, fish the title underneath. Yeah, it would say Fish Guru. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, cool. Cool. So, welcome to episode two of 2020. Official number two, second episode of the year so far. Um, And for the fish segment, we are going to... Pretty in-depth, I'd say, maybe the the most we've ever done, because I really have, like, liner notes for every single song that they played. Uh, we're going to dig a little in-depth into the Mexico run. So, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four-day run in, where are they? Moon Palace? It's fucking Cancun, right? Correct. They're in Cancun. Yeah. And there is the same time zone there, or there's a different yeah, no, time zone? No, it's the zone same there. time zone, yeah. Okay, because like a lot of conflicting information on that. Um, so same time zone, apparently everyone has a hot tub. It's like a cool, new, fun thing. Um, but the reason why I wanted to do an entire episode on Mexico, which I don't think I would have ever said in the past ever, is because <laughs> I think this is the best Mexico run they've ever played to date yet. Comments, go. Uh, if I were going to say anything, and I don't really have a horse in this race because I only watched one night of it, so I'm going to be a little passive in this episode, but I think that's You're an easy, I think that's an easy bar to set because I haven't thought the other Mexico shows were very good. <laughs> I, J3PO agrees, kind of, uh, yeah. Okay. I thought Mexico for a while was like the new rich man's version of SPAC, and that's funny because SPAC is like in Saratoga, which is a, a rich town, but... <laughs> They've, they've notoriously, it's the first run after their New Year's, like, you know, a year culminates, they play a New Year's run, everyone's like, riding high, loving fish, living life, and it's their first thing after that big experience, which is really funny, because they open on night one with Tord and Frayed, which has a lot of lyrics uh, about, like, being restless, and uh, having, like, first night jitters, and a lot of cool fun references to i think kind of like tongue-in-cheek how they were feeling when they opened up that show i (laughs) i think that torn and frayed is a great opener especially to an entire run um 
when you have uh, like there's the lyric, uh, well, the ballrooms and the smelly bordellos, the dressing rooms filled with parasites on stage. The band has problems. They're a bag of nerves on first nights. Right. Bag like, of nerves on first. Right, that's what I'm like, saying. There's a lot of long kind of... as the guitar plays. Right. Right. I think it's a really fun, like appropriate show opener. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. So I think the kid's point was it was it's easy to say that this Mexico room was great because it is honestly like the most like wanting to be talked about one that they've performed so far. I just think again, I the only night I tried to watch was Saturday night and I went to bed pretty early and I free was what? When I went to bed and I was what third free song? was Thursday, I think. <laughs> was it? I thought it was yeah. the Saturday. No. Free was Thursday. Oh. It was yeah. the big one set night. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Free was night one. Okay, yeah. Thursday. So um, let's kind of, you very, J3PO very eloquently put why, like, I love this run. And I don't know if it's because, like, you study music theory or just are a very articulate human. But basically, you were like, it was teases galore and layered jams where they could be playing many song themes at once. And I feel like that defi- that's like if I was going to write a thesis to this, like, boom, like that's what I would stick on the top. And that's kind of like how I feel this entire run ended up being. And it was like all really like fun, like tongue in cheek references to like the sand in Mexico. And there's I have, you know, a ton of notes on lyrics they've changed to make it Mexico centric yeah, yeah. or whatever. But like them having not only like fun, but then also kind of trying to do cool, more interesting things that musically. Yeah. Sounds like a 90s fish show. <laughs> in some ways, uh, in some ways, I've been listening to a lot of Summer 94 as I just completed David Steinberg's book. And uh, there's a lot of that layering of songs. And to me, actually, the coolest thing about this run is I got really excited for it at work on Wednesday because I found a Mixler stream of the sound check. And a lot of times when fish do big runs, especially their festivals, the sound check, if it were at a festival like, you know, Magna or whatever, you would hear it on the bunny, like the radio station. This is a little different, but um, I got a mixer stream of it and I got into it right after they were finishing Sunshine, Sunshine excuse me, Superman, which is a Donovan tune. Um, a lot of people think who the hell is donovan but like you know more of his songs than you would think i think a lot of people have heard this song he does mellow yellow um first there is a mountain then there is no mountain then there is that's a donovan song end of playing that into another jam and then they were playing what i thought was going to be buffalo bill and it ended up being windora bug which is one of the original tab tunes back when they were an original three-piece starting in 98 i want to say so way back then, and I think it's a tune that Tony Markellis, the bass player, wrote. Um, so they played that, which I thought was really cool. I saw the first ever Fish performance of it in Albany 2000. It's like September of 2000, September 7th, I want to say. Don't quote that exact date. But uh, just hearing the sound check is jam, jam, sunshine, Superman, jam, Windora bug is how they listed it. But within some of those jams they played, under the Sea, they teased the theme to Mr. Ed, the show, the, te- the theme to Flipper. So they're just all over the place having fun in the sound check. And so it's like, wow, well, this bodes really well. This is, this is the tune. Yeah. 
Everyone's heard this song. Yes. But it's cool and fun and super playful. So Everyone said, but the so kid has heard said, this. You've heard this. So you you said they learned that? And, uh, well, they played and, it. But then they didn't actually play it in front of people. And then yet. didn't go through with it. But just that in and of itself is something that's very fishy and very cool. It's like, oh, hey, let's learn this song. And then they forgot to play it while they're on stage. It's great. But it just, the whole thing boded well. And then, I mean, going into that first set Thursday. It was your amuse-bouche. It gave you a little, a little taste of what you, think, you thought that this was going to really, be. Really wet my whistle. Exactly. <laughs> gives you a little, a little taste. A little uh, taste. So I was, I was hyped <laughs> for that. And so I made sure to order the Thursday Night Sound uh, simulcast. And uh, off we went. Great. I ordered the full package and I didn't, first of all, I didn't believe you when you kept saying it was going to be a one set welcome thing. Right. So I was like, I don't believe him because I saw or very early on you could buy Thursday as part of the package. And this we're leading into kind of what we wanted to talk about with, sorry, night one. Yeah. Was them billing it as <laughs> the welcome set. Oh, quote unquote welcome set. And it all being one thing versus just playing a standard set one break set two encore yeah and i actually went back and looked at the timings that that first show is actually longer than i think the second show the second show was like 219 or like 210 or something and the first one was like 219 two Maybe. hours and 19 minutes so like the full show was longer than some of the other sh- full set one including breaks. encores yes wow so if you take the break out the songs are the shows are okay. basically the same sure. length so they played a whole show, basically, is what Exactly. You're... They played a whole show without taking a break. So pitfalls of a long one giant set rather than taking a break. This is something we wanted to touch on a little bit. Oh, for sure. So I call this night half of one. This was Thursday at 2.20. Are we talking about pitfalls that you both experienced having to watch it? Or are you just saying like in general... Because there was that other, there was that Fenway Park where they had the bad weather and they had to do all one Correct. Set. I yeah. was going to bring that up as well. Um, I think that... Pitfalls that, means we think they were playing a little sloppy and the band as well as the, the audience could, could benefit from a break. So we were not sure why they decided to just do one. Okay. Here's what I think actually happened. They're going to do a welcome set. Yeah, we'll play for like an hour, hour and 15 minutes, you know? It'll be fine. It'll be cool. It'll be a nice welcome. Get everybody there. Then we'll go and we'll have dinner with our families, whatever. We're on vacation too. A little welcome right, set. Right, right. You know? It's a little and late. <laughs> they got there and they got fucking excited. And sure. so Swept up in it. But here's the thing is both audience and band need a break as evidenced by like the last three songs they played. Like that... Santos was really sloppy. The You Enjoy Myself encore was not up to par. And it was such a killer set up until so, so, but the, around Cross Eyed, the, they started to lose their stuff. That was so, Santos was the last song of the of the show. Yeah. And then the encore was You Enjoy Myself. Yes. So do you think my question I guess to both of you is that do you think the sloppiness of those last three songs left a bad taste in your mouth coming out of that long set and you're like man i really wish they would have taken a break like was it enough to impact the entirety of the show your overall look on the show for me no because some of the stuff they had done earlier was so cool i hate the sloppiness but it's something that you have to accept when a band plays 
300 different songs or like someone's going to forget some stuff at some point. But I think you're less forgiving when you have to see it all together. Yeah. When everything I like is pushed the break. together and you get like kind of a meh song or like, uh, like it, it really just makes you more aware of the entire time you've been listening to the music. They're older. A break helps. A break helps everybody. I mean, like, look, I go to other shows. I've seen Ween a bunch of times. When I go see bands that don't take set breaks, I'm like, Jesus, you should really take a... If you're going to play for two and a half hours, just give me 15 minutes to go take a piss or something. Like, you know? There was definitely, like... So, I don't know how much we want to break down this show, but there is definitely a point, and I think... I'm pretty sure it's Steam, where, like, the natural progression, that should have been set to... Right. Opener. Oh, for sure. Na- yeah, yeah. If it was naturally flowing the way it should and there was a break in between, I think Steam would have been like the opener of set two. Because in the audio I listen to, you can like audibly hear somebody be like, oh, all right. Okay. Which like, one? all right. This so, is going to start. We're going to start up again. Can I, can I say a funny thing? So JP is <laughs> just like, I see another band and it's way too long, like Wiener or whatever. So. I go to, straight to Google and I'm like, how long is a Billy Joel concert? Oh, boy. <laughs> Three hours long. And he doesn't take and he a doesn't break. Take break. So you, I much, didn't, it didn't resonate with me for a second when you said it because I was like, oh, if Ween plays and they even play for that long, it's a lot of fun because it's fun music. Super fun. But, but like, the I need length, a break. I was going to say that I, I think when you put it in that context, like I, I would argue that the greatest Billy Joel fan even still would be like... I need to sit down. Like it would have been, an intermission would have been on. nice. And I tell yeah. you what, if someone was like, no, I don't want that break. I don't want a break. I just want straight music. I guarantee you that fucking kid is 19 years old. <laughs> or on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> or, or both. <laughs> like, come on. Like, you can't, like, I can't keep up with that anymore. Yeah. Well, I think it's more about, you know, even, I don't think we as human beings are meant to just sit and be bombarded with that much sound for that long. I think part of the break is also just like, a cognitive thing. Like you just yeah. need that reset to say, hey, my ears aren't getting hit with sound anymore. You guys are playing now that track they play in the, in the middle of the set. Um, I'm sorry, the break, where it's just like jazz music and shit. Right. It's like that fun music, but it's really low, and you're like talking to people. You just get this It's fatigue. Second. It's like literally using your ears for too long to listen. Right, exactly. Like getting palate fatigue if you try to taste all, too many things all at the same time. Yeah. All of my favorite parts of this first night are from the first part of the set. So let's, Ex- let's do a little rundown. So Torn and Frayed was the opener. I, again, think that was really fun, really appropriate. A lot of people like that as an opening song. I love that tune. And- Straight into Ghost, which I think was pretty standard. Um, and then Free. And I want to just talk about this one a little bit because I, I, so I heard it at New Year's. It made me stand up and listen to it because I typically do not like the song at all. And they did musically enough to keep me interested and to be like whoa this is like kind of different and they're kind of like playing around with this at new year's and then i felt like they did the exact same thing for this show as well which historically for a free is not common free is pretty standard at most you see what like a 10 i've seen like a 10 maybe 12 minute free but i don't know how long the song is generally i hate it and it's very standard so, but the new, like I'm saying eight, the New Year's eight. and this version, they both did enough where I literally stopped and was like, oh shit, like they're doing something really fucking cool with this. It's a right 15 now. minute free. So I think that the Liz is correct. The, the last two frees have been uh, the, easily the most interesting of 3.0, even 2.0. There are 
some really long freeze. There's like a 20-minute free from the fall of 95, but it's before it even had the extra section, which is the bomb, 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 bomb. Yeah, the funk part, so, yeah. so they just jammed on this ambient part of it, which it's cool where they go, but it's, it's not a completed song until right. the album Billy Breathes comes out. No right. one heard those extra parts until that album. So can you talk a little bit about Shipwreck as well? Because I don't know what that is. So and Shipwreck is just the long, the elongated wh- sample. When they start playing, yeah, the sample about like being on a boat or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. and like from being the scared. Hall- it's from Thrillin' Chillin' okay, okay, Sounds of Halloween. Okay. Is that cool, why cool. I got the uh, alternate lyric tag yes. in Fish.com? Correct, oh, correct. Got it. Uh, cause, so normally Paige plays a sample and he'll hit it and it'll be like, you know, your trip is short yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But like this one, he holds the key. So it's like hear, a giant story. You hear the full like 40 second sample. Right. Which is different than normal. Right. Um, we actually have this one queued up. What's cool. What's so cool about this jam is they get into the, the funky part. Right. And it's sorry. They get into the funky part and it's usually just one chord, Mike dominant doing a lot of things. And then they start alternating between one chord and a half step up, and you'll hear that chord sequence change, and then they go back into the thing. At some point, they even call it a Ghosts of the Forest, and I mean the song Ghosts of the Forest, tease. Trey plays that deep D minor chord that's like, and then... Yeah, he arpeggiates it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they go into this really long chordal jam that, to me, and we'll hear it here in a second, uh, it, I can't tell if it's they're just really sharp with their ears or it's actually a progression they've been working on. Either way, it's fun and impressive, and you, I think it's just improv. And you can tell by their faces, I, at least I thought I could when I was watching it, like, wow, we're really hearing each other well, and this is, this is cool. You can already, it's like going minor already, kind of already. Now we're in harmonic yeah. minor. yeah. It's it's there. Like you, I'm ready for that. Yeah. Ghost of the Forest arpeggiated triad. straight out of Ghost of the Forest. <laughs> Except it's not really that, it's something of its own. Right. I mean, obviously, because of where it is. And... Like, I'm pretty sure they're just making this up on the spot. It just... Yeah, this song ends up getting the Rescue Squad uh, re- yeah, revisited. Yeah. It ends up getting, like, the shriek from the My Pet Cat. They were kind of just throwing a lot into this song. I'll leave it here, but I'm going to turn it down a little bit. <laughs> I don't like that people actually call Rescue Squad a song, because I don't think it they is, but it's the funny. Rescue Squad. <laughs> yeah. That's a reprise. It is, but Rescue Squad isn't really a song. It's just him on a platform stranded going, Rescue Squad! <laughs> yeah, it's him making something It's less of, of a song than Guy Forget. <laughs> Guy Forget. And that's a song. I would consider that a song. You don't? I do, but it's not really. <laughs> like, there's no actual structure. Okay. So then they go into Shake Your Coconuts, which is the first time they've played it since Baker's? Yes, and they open the Baker's Dozen with that, and that song will always have a special place in my heart because of that. 
And this is where they start the fun changing uh, the lyrics. lyrics. They change it to Mexico time in the lyrics of the song. So they start getting a little playful, a little fun. Um, Victim is a Gordo song. Yeah. Which. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I roll, don't care, could move on. But it's Does important It's important for talking about the later themes about their uh, individual project influences, Wait, J- I think. J3PO, you who have seen Gordo's band, he sings like predominantly everything, right? Uh, else Scott Murawski sings lead on several songs, uh, but mostly the originals, it's definitely Gordo. But there are vocal harmonies. The song is what you can expect. Mike Gordon be like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's pretty much how the song is i got that our listeners got that. it's a cool groove though okay. there's some reggae so stuff in momo dance momo dance got a jabru two classic awesome heavy got hitters. a jabu i believe it's called uh, got yeah. a jabru oh i wrote got a jabru sorry <laughs> oops that's bad got a jabu thank you uh shade which is like my all-time favorite slow song if you're gonna play a slow song and it has the south of the border lyric. So I think, again, yeah, a little more playful. Now, getting into the landlady, can I ask you a question about this? Yeah. I thought this song was an independent song. It is not. It is part of Punch You in the Eye. Correct. So, but they play it. They played it here. Yes. On its own. But you still said when we were watching the show that takes Punch off the table. Yeah, because they're not going to play Punch You in the Eye with that mixed in it when they already played that. Well, okay. they play I didn't it know in the of course that. of a run, though. If I play the landlady on one night, then no. it's like a... Yeah, okay. I don't... I, it's never happened. I, I'd be shocked. They don't play the landlady... So, Punch You in the Eye was the original tune. Correct. The landlady part of it. They took that landlady part of it out and made it its own thing, because it's like, oh, we can just do a cool instrument. With a little, like, saucy, fun, dancey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, we can make that a, a, a bigger song. They slow it down a little bit, so it's... Slower, but it's like, cool, we can samba to this or salsa exactly. or whatever. It's right. very whatever samba. your people do. <laughs> <laughs> your people. I can't dance. Um, <laughs> but, so, yeah. It's fun. It just makes a little short, fun, They played it thing. a lot. They shelved Punch You in the Eye for a while and played the landlady a lot, like 91, 92. Okay. And then around 93, Punch You in the Eye comes back, then it disappears. They both disappear, and it, it's not really in regular rotation until, historically, uh, it's a big one. Uh, they opened New Year's 95 with Punch You in the Eye, and huh. that was a big deal. So when I first got my Punch You in the Eye, I was like, holy shit, they're playing Punch You in the Eye. And now it's... You get it every four shows or yeah, something. Yeah, it's not but, that uncommon. But back then it was, so it was like a big deal. It's, it's, it's interesting to me how over time certain songs are a big deal, then it's like overplayed, then they're shelved, and it's like, now it's a big deal again or whatever. Like they just, See, but they I'm all like for the flow. first time sympathizing with that because there are songs that I used to get all the time that I don't get anymore at all. And I'm just like, bring them back, I used to, I used to be tired, back. and now I, now I miss them. Yeah. Exactly. I think we're, as I'm looking at this and... Looking at the set list, we're getting to like where it's making me sad that you guys, you guys are saying you wish there was a break. And no, see, so so then you go, so then you go nuts. to Destiny Unbound, which again keeps the playful. Another we gotta, Mike we too, gotta get yeah. a town lyric, yeah, yeah. fun, fun. But again, that <laughs> could be set one closer. Then you get Steam, Cross-Eyed, Run Like an Antelope, Cavern, Beneath the Sea of Stars, and Say It to Me, Santos. That in itself is a second set. 
uh, beneath a sea of stars to the forest. Uh, boom, boom. You've, heard you've that. seen I, them play I've it. I've seen them play it. I definitely don't they remember. They played it at Camden. Okay. So you've definitely seen them play it. Twice, at least. <laughs> and then I, in my liner notes, I wrote that I've. I don't know if I haven't I haven't physically been to every Santos, but I've seen them play every Santos, and this was the worst one, the absolute so, worst performed one. So can you tell me why though? Just oh, so. But what is so, that? Because so, Santos so musically for and a second, like also is had not, like no energy behind it. But it's not a difficult song by any means. So when you say sloppy, what do you mean? They're off. Dead They're legs, all just like dead arms, yeah, dead yeah. hands. They were tired at that point. I was so surprised they encored with you enjoy myself because it seemed like they're they're like we're like we're out of steam. Uh, well, the you know your fingers start yeah, cramping. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, you enjoy myself stuff. after. That's a tough tune. Yeah. yeah. He, the other thing about this is from everything she just said that should be the second <laughs> set, which I think is would be a really cool second set. Uh, I started having major buffering issues. And apparently I wasn't yeah, the only one. Yeah, I remember one. that. No, they so, ended up giving a credit to everybody who ordered the simulcast that night. Why? Well, I, I should apply for that then. You all have a credit. Same, same, no, they same. actually sent out a, like, we're sorry that this happened. Really? Yeah, they were like, this was unexpected. You they, fell asleep for the whole show, but you know because this. Because I, <laughs> I woke up the next morning to like a huge, massive blast on Facebook of all these people being like, this is bullshit. I paid this money for the HD stream. Like, they, if they're going to do this shit, they should give the standard stream back because that was more stable. This is like, blah, blah, blah. And then fish, like, an hour later, are like, we're giving everybody a credit. Oh. It was fucked. We're I sorry. I don't have a credit, but, <laughs> oh, well. Um, any, I think any person who purchased the simulcast that night is entitled to a, a future free simulcast, like one night free simulcast. That'd be said. sick. It's also great of them to do because, again, the simulcast is starting to get pretty fucking expensive now that they do it's the HD expensive. only. Yeah. You know how much widespread panic simulcasts are? Five bucks. Well, they're, I think they're ten, but... Uh, still, great. That's an affordable <laughs> price that I can agree with of yeah. any band. You know? I think they should be free. You're not going to lose ticket sales if you free every... I mean... Well, I also... I mean, they're charging, what, $24 a show now? More than that? That's the price of an actual fish ticket when i used to go see them in the 1900s right. but <laughs> i think when standard when standard definition existed it was 10 it was like 12 bucks they were like 15 bucks or yeah something. it's whatever okay so to get us back on track and sorry, to kind sorry. of no talk about where I, like i start getting conflicted so now we start getting into night two and night three yeah so, <laughs> friday and saturday First, after I heard Friday, I was like, best show of the run. But then Saturday creeps up on you. And I think even the last night was pretty fucking incredible. So I wrote a note on set, uh, a song, Night 2, sorry, uh-huh. Night 2, that I really do, I think that this song best illustrates the themes of like playing like musical themes, running things into each other and By kind of far, getting playful yeah. and weaving stuff in together. Um and obviously a large part of that is the shafty. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because when I heard it, I knew I knew the lyrics, but I thought they were just playing the same song to a weird fucking beat. And right. I thought it was super cool. So like imagine my, me when I'm like, what is happening? But this please is the give us a little of the set too, right? No. <laughs> give us a little give us a little history. Shafty, they played it we're set, on a night two. Song two. Song two, night two. So did they reprise it? Many times, because mm-hmm. yes. I'm seeing it listed as second song, fourth song, eighth song. Yeah, and it's the like if you That's listen exactly to what I just I said about weaving about the themes <laughs> in to each other, and this song illustrating that. 
Oh, that's, you'd be a part of the convo. I was gonna say I, that's that's not how I interpreted that to mean. I thought you meant that they were pulling other songs into it and out of it, not that they reprised that song like a. You know. It's not reprising it. So if you had watched it, and maybe we can explain <laughs> a little bit of it to you, is they're weaving in and out of it. They're not playing it again and they're not playing different parts of it again they're weaving things in and out like even when you get down to the bottom of the show like in the fucking like encore they play shaft they're teasing it in certain like uh blaze on like it's it's like the theme for that whole second night and it's like they do fun little twists and weird weaves in it so it's not a reprise it's like the theme that's running through the show the musical theme that's running through the show exactly let's take a step back (laughs) I want to talk about, before we talk about Shafty, we have to talk about Olivia's Pool. Correct. So That's the th- song I thought they were playing. Right. So the <laughs> main lyric in Shafty is, you'll just go on an, an oblivious fool. fool. You've heard this song before, yes. So, and the lyrics are, the terrible thing about hell is that when you're there, you can't even tell. And it's a funky jam. That is what appeared on Story of the Ghost, the album, the song Shafty. That came out in October of 1998, that record, Story of the Ghost. Correct. Now, go back to, like, the summer Europe tour or spring Europe tour of 97. Okay. And they were playing a tune, a blues number called Olivia's Pool. Okay. Almost exactly (laughs) the same, except for it's more of a 12-bar blues. It doesn't sound anything like the funky minor kind of... No, no. It's more like a... It's like a bluesy... Like a total straight up 12 bar blues kind of thing. And it's you the terrible. You say, know what? I tell you, just fine. Yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like goofy. It's goofy and upbeat. <laughs> and uh, instead of you'll just go on an oblivious fool, they say you'll just go on in Olivia's pool. Correct. Okay. So it's Olivia's pool. The interesting thing about this is. So they were playing Olivia's pool first. Yes. Got it. Somewhere between Europe. 97 and the release of story of the ghost it became shafty i don't think they ever played shafty live before the release of ghost okay in fact i'm kind of sure i think i'm sure about that um so since that came out and they were playing it presumably around the time ghost came out when's the last time they played this so shafty was played a handful of times in the fall of 98. Okay. And then shelved so, until 3.0. Okay. So Bonnaroo, I forget which Bonnaroo year. I want to say it's, I don't know what years they played Bonnaroo, but it's like, it's the same year they jammed. I think it's the year they played The Gambler with Kenny Loggins. That's sick. Uh, <laughs> but they busted out Shafty then. And then they hadn't played it since till now. So from do you want to do you want to play a little bit of it as a bed underneath us talking about it, so you can get a little frame of reference for what we're talking about. The song is sick. So right now, I lost my shit when I was watching the simulcast, and I was like, "What?" And I was like, "It's." Shafty. I think they're playing Shafty, and this is weird. They hadn't played it since Bonnaroo. What's cool about this show, this is my favorite stat, if you want to go fish stats. Yeah, do it. From 97 to 2012, I think, is the Bonnaroo year. 
They played Shafty five times. It appears four times alone on this set list and gets teased another four times throughout the run. Right, so they That's just funny. like took That's it and to ran me. with yeah, it yeah. and like blew it all over this show. Yeah. But the riff is so good. Like, this is sign, sign, everybody's. I feel it like. It doesn't sound anything <laughs> like that. Um, this is. So but it, they played Olivia's. I see what you're doing. They played Olivia's <laughs> Pool at Alpine Valley. Mm-hmm. And I loved that song. And I'm, I find myself singing the words of the song and being I like, I, I know the words of the yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is going on? But I just they were playing, thought they were playing that song to a different beat. So, so then it's this plasma back to this plasma, like uh, it's so just so funky and heavy has, and cool. And this has a very likable hook. So is the hook the thing exactly that keeps coming hook. back? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, of course. And so when look at the rest of the set. They go into this like so many times. It's over bathtub gin. I mean. It also says bathtub gin and te- the lizards te- have it's banter. It's teased at the end of possum. It is. Uh, it's it's everywhere. It's in Blaze On. It's it's literally like in the rest of this show. So when this was <laughs> happening, I was texting Lizza as it was happening. I was like, Shafty exclamation points. And she's like, What's that? And it was like Olivia's pool, but like the actual album. And she's like, Oh shit. And then and then they start playing plasma, and I'm like, Plasty. And she's like, ah, that's funny. And then they get to bathtub gin, and I'm like, bathty. And like, we're just laughing. It's like I was literally like pulling my hair out. Like this, this is might be my favorite set of the entire run because of all of the. I don't even know what you call that. Just the interplay with the the shafty, the plasma, on and on, and it sets up a theme for the run. And I love when fish do that, where a run seems thematic. So like every night, you're brought back to a different night. And it all kind of blends together like it's one big curated show. Yes. Yeah, I think, man, I think it took me like four years of watching Fish to get that. Because 2010 is when I started. They also weren't really ba- doing it as much back say, then. Bader like, Field is, I feel like, the show where I kind of started understanding what that was. Where there was like a lot of interplay and like... So like, 2012, oh, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. about the time where they really started to... I think with the start of 3.0, they had to reinvent themselves or rework themselves back into what they were at the end of the 90s. And now here we are, and in some ways it's even better. It lacks in energy sometimes, and there's a little bit of sloppiness because there's more songs and a lot of material, but wow, when they're like... On, it's well, fucking It's so incredible. fucking good. I, yeah. I think it's it's easy to say that when, they're, when they themselves are having fun and being playful, like, we lose our shit. Yeah, like we uh, again, the best shows that I'll ever mention in my career shows that mimic this. So Did if you I just was call it a career, <laughs> my fish career, hell yeah, it's a fucking career. At the amount of time and money I've invested in this band, usually it's for you sure. make so money. Let's turn the bed down a little bit because we're shouting things. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, mom. You're welcome. Keep the volume low. Okay, so can we talk? Uh, set two opener was Sigma Oasis. I didn't know that. And can you can we give you a little insight it's a, onto it's that? A, Sigma Oasis. Yeah, yeah, it's a newer tune. I think okay. that it's a Trey and Tom tune. Um, okay. I only know it. He played. He debuted it on his acoustic tour from like a year ago. You know, he does those solo acoustic sure, sure, runs. Yeah. Yep. 
I think he uses those to get ideas to remember like older tunes. It's like, oh, I haven't played this in a while, and like people yeah. like remind him of things, and so that creeps into fish. And so I think this is a case of that. So I just tried to look it up on fish.net, and it can only say that we don't have any information on it. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right, it's, right. It's, okay, it's, so it's, it's new. It's a newer it's new. train, Tom. Too. Okay, interesting. Very cool. Okay, so then that goes into two thousand and one, and we wanted to talk briefly about two thousand and one. <laughs> Also, you, I'll Sparks let you, Zathura. I'll, I'll, I'll you take it away and why we wanted to talk about this. Much like Free, the last two versions of 2001, this one from Mexico and the New Year's run, have been the most interesting, in my opinion, of 3.0 in okay. a lot of ways. But, but then, so you, you're you that guy that's like, oh, I miss the days when yeah. 2001 used to be like a fat gem in the second set. Can you, centerpiece. Can you, second set centerpiece. Like, off. Thank you. Yeah. So... <laughs> It went from... It's something you've been talking about for some time. Yeah. Usually it's very, very standard, straight up, one, two, three. And that's the only way I've really ever seen it, to be quite frank. Right. (laughs) So there are two quote-unquote verses, and then, like, the choruses. So, like, the verses are just, like, the vamp, and then the choruses are the... Correct. You know, and so they they go through that twice, basically. Correct. And in 3.0, it's always, with the exception of a few, it's always like the eight minutes. And then they end it, and they end it, right. But this is such a (laughs) hilarious, like, jam vehicle to me, because, like, you never know when they're going to take it out for a walk, and you never know when they're not going to. Because it's a buildup, and then they could start sprinting into something cool, or they could just wrap it up and be done with it. But very much, like, free, you know when it gets the bomb out, you're like, oh, it's just going to do the same thing. There's that assumption. So this version was over 12 minutes. Yeah. Which is already crazy long because I think a normal standard is like six, seven minutes. Yeah. Um, and they definitely took this out for a walk. It had some, I believe, miracles teases in it. It was like really fun, really cool, really playful. Was it enough of a, a notable 2001 for you? It was. I thought it was the most fun one. I, so... Can I do a bit of song history here? They started covering the song in 93. Yeah, I did. And it was like a four-minute endeavor at that point. Literally like vamp some chords, then get to that hook, you know, the... The hook. It's the hook, yeah. And uh, it was really like a fun thing to get everybody in the mood. And it was what was like, oh, dude, they're playing 2001. What do you think they're going to go into after this? Um. Is it going to be Maze or David Bowie? And that, those were like big, like key. It's like 2001 into David Bowie in like 93. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool <laughs> thing. Like you would have loved 93. It's all Adderall all the time. It's just hot fucking energy, you right. know? Um and so slowly, as they got into more of the funk after 96 and the Talking Heads album cover, 2001 started to become a little bit more of a vehicle. I think the, one of my favorite versions is Vegas 96. You can hear that version. Um, that's when they first really took it out for an extended musical spin. What I mean by that is there was a lot of like, a lot of times they would make a lot of noise, just ambient, like making weird noise, and then Fishman would come in with the beat. And it would be noise over the beat with Gordo just thumping the bass line. Eventually, Paige would start doing the Fender Rhodes thing. And then you're like, okay, now we're in the song. Boom, that's it. This time in Vegas 96, they make it very musical. And that's what springboarded, I think. The 2001s of 97 through 99 are amazing. They swell to like 20 plus minutes. They vamp, they groove. It's like a disco party. The light show to that <sighs> tune was always awesome. So everyone was happy to get it. 
Yeah. 3.0, even in 2.0, I don't really remember playing that much, but it was more standard. And in 3.0, it's always been the standard thing until the last two. So this version has like another one bites the dust teases. Like it's cool. Like uh, it's just, it's fun. It's whimsical. And it's hard to like, even if they're sloppy on that song, there's not a lot of technical parts so they can be sloppy and it still sounds tight. Whereas like right. if you're sloppy on you enjoy right. myself stash or something, it's like, you're just missing these important like, right. orchestrated parts. This is groove oriented tune. Overcomposed right. according to Trey. Right. <laughs> That was one of my favorite parts about Between Me and My Mind. He openly admits that Yemen, yeah, those types of songs were overcomposed. Except I don't, I mean, I don't think they are. It's like, I, yeah, I disagree. I, he, I respectfully think, disagree. I, he, I think he thinks that now because he has to play them. Like, I think he thinks that now night. because Cosbot Vox is simple rock. <laughs> well, exactly. He even said in an interview, he was like, man, the Rolling Stones, they got it easy. Yeah, they got to learn 80 songs, but like there's five chords in each of those songs or whatever. Like I have to remember like, like 300 of these opuses that I wrote when I was, you know, 20 years old or whatever. Yeah, dug himself in a hole. But I digress. This is actually leading us kind of into like the other like kind of overall topic I wanted to talk about, which was side project influences. Yeah, and the energy that they can bring. I think that was a really good point. I think at this point, I mean, obviously, there's been Mike Tune, there was the Vita Blue Tune, there's Ghost of the Forest all over the place. There's there's things that they're playing all over. Um, how do you how do you how do you feel about that? Incorporating well, you, separate stuff into fish. You've seen every single side project live as well, right? I know you've seen Gordo. We saw Vita Blue together, and then uh, so it would only be Fishman's. I never dildos. saw. I, no, I never <laughs> saw Pork. I didn't see Pork Tornado, which was Fishman's funk band, but it wasn't his band. It was he just played drums in it. Did not see Pork Tornado. That was a late '90s thing. I wish they would get back together. I'd like to see. But yeah, pretty much everything else. I even worked in Oysterhead show once. That's cool. But also. Speaking of Oysterhead, yeah, the weekend yeah, before this Mexico this. run, yeah, um, Oysterhead, for those of you that don't know, is Trey Anastasio, Mr. Les Claypool, bassist extraordinaire from Primus, most notably, and Stuart Copeland. The Park theme. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> Stuart Copeland from The Police plays the drums. He has this cool, powerful finesse to him. It's a power trio. I think they do really cool stuff. So they played a couple shows in Broomfield, Colorado, outside of Denver at this little arena, which I think, I don't know what they do there, minor league hockey or something. Like, I have no idea. It's a tiny little arena. I've driven by it before. But uh, it's when Ween played their first shows back together. It was at that venue. Um, anyways, if you, like, I listened to as much of the shows as I could. It was all audience recordings. Um, an audience, you know, tapes or whatever. Back in the day, like 97, they would call it machine gun Trey when he was just really firing on all cylinders and, you know, guitar pyrotechnics, so to speak. Yeah, shredding. Dude, Trey shredded the shit out of Oysterhead that weekend. It was fucking incredible. Like, I, like, that band playing 46 Days and him fucking just shredding a solo over it, like, I think he was... In so, full, like, inspired peak going into 
out of New Year's into Oysterhead going over to Mexico. It's like right. last weekend I was playing with Les Claypool and Stuart Copeland <laughs> and we rocked an arena and I was fucking shredded. And now I'm playing with my favorite friends ever and uh, I'm inspired and like this is going to carry over. Like it's, it's an amazing time even though they're older. Well, I, I ask you a question also as a once touring musician. I feel like when you're playing music all the time, just like you go to your job every day, there's got to be like, built-in highs and lows no matter how yeah. good you're feeling you're still gonna have that off day where you don't play as well as you would like to or whatever like you're saying if i'm hearing you correctly is that like he ramped all the way up going into mexico oh yeah he just I think like so. rode that fucking wave just i think like, he's having a lot of good days yeah yeah <laughs> that's sick yeah it, it also really gives good. you like the courage and the like ability to like be more experimental or like do something you wouldn't normally just do, like, you know, sit, sitting and doing the comfortable thing, doing something a little weirder. I think it's really hard as a, as a fish fan to remind yourself like these dudes set the bar so flipping high that our expectations end up being so grandiose that we go, they're still people. <laughs> There's no way that they can deliver me that perfect show that I'm wishing I get every time I go see them. So when you get these playful moments that J3PO is talking about, your only reaction to it is, yeah, and your face starts melting, and you're jumping in your living room going crazy to a freaking live broadcast on the internet. You know, like it, it, to me, it's just when you bring that ferocity to it, it just makes everything so flipping good. I, I would argue that like seeing a great show like that is what surfers talk about when they catch their first wave. It's, it's so all-encompassing and so great, and it makes you feel so euphoric and good. There's no amount of molly. There's no amount of like any drug that's going to ever let you hit that natural peak that you hit, and you're like, I want to do it again. I need to do that again. But let's go do that again. <laughs> so, so then, though, when you catch like your 5,000th wave... You're like, okay, it's another wave, but today I'm kind of in a bad mood. This amazing experience can be watered down, so to speak, because not everything is like a six-foot perfect tube or whatever right. your analogy is. Right. And they do create such a high expectation. But I also find, like we were talking, Liza and I were talking about this after the 30th, the New Year's run. She was like, yeah, I just, I wasn't really feeling that. And I was like... I think that's one of the best shows of all time they ever played. And it's weird how two people can see the same thing and have a completely different thing. And it's, it's based on what do you want out of a fish show? Who is around you at a fish show? Like, how's the vibe? Like, is some guy from security being annoying? You know, yeah. I think there are certain moments that we can all unequivocally agree are some of the best. But even then, there's still fodder for discussion based on your surroundings and your environment. And like, you know catching a wave like watching a simulcast is like catching a wave in like one of those machine it, made waves yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the pole waves yeah, something like, you're like well it's cool but, and i live in texas so it's great but real but, thing is better i mean it's, it's all about it's all about mood um and i mean we could talk about the sloppiness of this mexico run because there was certainly plenty of that but the but highs the delivered made up for it yeah, yeah and i think sure, i will take sure. i will always take a little of that sloppy bullshit and mistakes for them being Stumbling. whimsical yeah. and, and trying they new shit. They got to stumble to yeah, get yeah. to the really awesome, locked-in, yeah. super crazy, amazing shit that they end up figuring out at some point. <laughs> well, again, so, that's why I'm really happy. I think 
if anything, that blackout for me gave me the breath to stop being like, every show has to be perfect. Every show has to be like, I should feel like I walked away with my money's worth. Like you start getting like bitter and weird about it where you're just like, oh, he did miss three notes and you enjoy myself. So the whole song sucked. Sucked for me. Who said that? Brad? <laughs> Brad. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I, yeah. It's hard. Let's talk a little bit about night three. Yes. Willin. Can you, you see, so you said something to me today that made me understand the kind of the theatrics of it a little bit more when he got uh, undressed on stage and put his muumu on stage. He had done this before for 2010 Halloween. Well, no, uh, they didn't do that. at two, So at 2010 Halloween, the interesting, that's the only other time they played Willin. Got they it. Covering Waiting for Columbus by Little Feet, which right. is a live record, which I thought was interesting. It's like, you guys are going to do a band's live record for Halloween as your musical costume. Whatever. It's cool. It fits. Little Feet is a cool band that Fish should cover. Totally. They do them really well. It's like the Stones. It's one of their best go-to cover bands. Um, sure. In the original performance of Willen, Fishman comes out to sing. Trey goes on to the drums. Okay. Paige goes to the bass, and Mike plays piano. Huh. So that's why if you can hear it on the recording, when the piano solo happens, it sounds good enough. And you're like, oh, just Paige is just being slow. It's like, no, that, <laughs> that's fucking Mike. Nice. And so that gets a big cool. audience reaction. So when they played it gotcha. here this time, the thing that I thought was funny is he's in, the, he's in that that's, suit, that yeah, beachy his, suit. His I don't Mexico know where, suit. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. But yeah. um, then the way he goes about taking it off and pulling it off and putting his dress on in front of everybody on the stage reminded me of the scene in Bittersweet Motel where they're showing doing that <laughs> right after Brad comes in and says, five minutes, guys, and Trey throws the can at him and says, kiss my ass, you fucking tool. He just found out Brad was, was the one that said he missed him. all the changes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there was a great little correlation there, but yeah. Nice. Um, Willen's a fun song, and it has those lyrics about picking up smokes and folks from Mexico. Correct. They're continuing the Mexico theme, staying super playful. Um, is there anything we want to pick out of this night? I thought the tweezer manteca macasupa was pretty cool. That whole yes. little weird block in the middle. Mm-hmm. I genuinely like that. They didn't, they really, they played the Makasuba for one minute and 44 seconds before going into Twist. And they basically played it like to you sexy thing. Yes. Which was really cool. And I, we had been talking about this earlier about like, that's the coolest thing about fish is why you get so excited about things like that because they're literally like, manipulating like the way your brain is like processing information so they're playing two things at the same time yeah. and your your brain's just like what like when you're in a like you know <laughs> this is really in funny Rick and Morty, when you're in a this. simulation it's inside yeah. a simulation you're like Bleh! like you're short-circuiting you're just like what the fuck is well, happening it's incredibly trippy first of all <laughs> yeah well yeah. so it's funny that the liz is bringing this up because there's a show that i remember vividly where trey starts teasing maria from west side story and my face is melting and she's like i fucking hate west side story <laughs> thing sucks. and i'm sitting there going yeah maria <laughs> you bring you know different things to the table i don't know i just think it's funny the things that you pick up on and the things that resonate with you it it, it reminds me also of another show i think that j3po and i went to where we're taking the escalator down and very much like 
most often our conversations start with random people is that the two dudes behind us are saying like those show that show just sucked and it was terrible and you and i turn around and go what the fuck are you talking about that was like the best show ever and you're like oh they played this song and we're like it doesn't even matter like they this is just like the best set we've ever seen what are you talking about and you just keep bringing this experience to it and again there's always going to be that one person that negative nancy you're just like this show sucks and it's like well so often it's find you. something to love it normally <laughs> of recent that's why again i mean obviously <laughs> you were here for episode one of 2020 Sorry, a large yeah, yeah. a large part of me talking about that blackout was me being like i needed a reset because i gotten so critical i got so negative that i couldn't be happy at a fish show anymore and taking that break it was just like listen i'm just happy to be here Eliza says it all the time. We're lucky to live in the time we live in and to see them when they play. Because I could have been born in 1890 when fucking fish didn't exist. Yeah, and but you would have loved Bach. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you would love it. <laughs> They're Mozart. Uh, if you only heard if there's a horn the section. nocturnes, bro. <laughs> 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 so that whole that whole chunk again. You're like, wow, they're getting cool. They're getting playful. <clears throat> they're doing a bunch of cool fucking shit. That Manteca gets ripping. It's really, really good. It gets jazzy. It um, gets yeah, ripping. There's exactly. page there's, stuff. There's yeah, fun stuff. Yep, it's 100%. cool. Let's uh, let's talk about waves though a little bit because yeah. this is something that I was listening to today earlier, and then you were kind of commenting on Fishman's performance here. I love Fishman throughout this whole thing. There's a couple parts in the jam where, and this happened quite a bit during this run, and it can happen where. Trey's messing with like delay timing yes. and it throws everybody else off. <laughs> yes. And so poor Fishman's like, I have to like sync myself with your <laughs> stupid delay loop. But like eventually they get it. Right. But uh, yeah, if you could just queue up a little bait. Cool. But if you just, I love those really doubled up like yeah he was hitting 30 it. second was, notes on was, the snare drum you know right he was being very like clean and like and that's pop, with one like, hand pop, yeah everything was really popping yeah i love this so um i've always loved the song waves it's on round room i first started seeing it in 3.0 like well i guess like everybody but uh um i was particularly really really fond of the bethel's waves that i saw with the kid um, best show ever. That was your first David Bowie. So, best show ever. It probably they, isn't. They That's played the show a Bowie for this show. run. I can't remember the last time I saw a David Bowie. They played a Bowie for this run, which they did. It sucked. Uh, yeah, but again, but I was like, oh, I haven't heard this in a while. <laughs> um, this waves might be the longest of all time. 1920. That's long. Yeah, but it's got a bunch of cool stuff in it. it's very fishy but like mellow but just it's a good jam to kind of like cruise to i think sure. um i really liked it in the moment uh i was here at your place we watched this show together <laughs> didn't we like, yeah, this we is the one we, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. waves to me normally is a uh like a get to the point song, like skip. I like many Like it's still beautiful. No. I'm not I trying like to knock it. It's great. No, I just like, love this is getting really cool. <laughs> no, but we're we're 14 minutes no, into. I, it. Even, I think the night. song part is really beautiful, and the yeah. lyrics are cool as I shit. Agree, I agree. I, I don't I know. Agree. I like that one a lot. This one, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. For me, certain times, it's it's the common argument with Petrichor, where it's just like most people just want to skip 
the whole well, but Petrichor doesn't intro. even have a jam. Like, like yeah, they just want to skip like... Petrichor if you don't like Petrichor. <laughs> this is, I think, this is like the jewel in the second set here. I think this is really. Uh, it's the centerpiece it's, for yeah, sure. It's, it's really great. Every set has a centerpiece. And then they reprise the Ocean is Love lyric. Trey sings it a couple times, kind of like the echoing of the Soul Planet from before. Yeah. Um, Karini gets sick. Like, it gets into some, like, heavy gothic shit. Like, Karini so, gets fucking heavy. Actually, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can pull it up, but around 9 minutes and 30 seconds, that Karini jam gets fucking sick. Karini, so it's the next song after Waves. Yeah, it, it gets... <laughs> I, I love Karini. Every time I see Karini, it's so heavy and Karini so hard Karini is hitting. such a cool arc of a song because yeah. it's, like, one of those where they sort of wrote it on the fly, like, simple. From 97 to... 3.0 Karini changed so much, but it really became a powerhouse. It's, yeah, it's a punch you. Sick. Oh, shit. Page on that fucking, that synth that he ended up. He's got yeah, some he's, cool he's, new he's, stuff, he's, man. He's, if he's, we want to talk about gear, I could do that all day. Like, yeah, they all lo- have some cool new shit. And a lot of, like, the notable moments in these shows is when I'm listening, I'm like, whoa, Page is doing some, like, cool fucking synthy, jammy shit. So between me and my mind, when Trey goes to Paige's house and goes to talk to him, Paige's house, house, yeah. house, 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 it was really telling for me as someone who dabbles on the keys. Like his, the room that he walks into when when he walks into Paige's house is just all littered with keyboards yeah. mounted to the it wall. It looks like a keyboard junkyard, dude. And what's interesting <laughs> to me is that... Hey, Lamont, give me another keyboard. When Paige first got his stage, the Nord stage, yeah. I was like, holy shit, this dude finally realized that he could put <laughs> all those keyboards on the wall into one thing. He doesn't want to do that. And he doesn't want to do that. He never wants he's to He's a purist. He's totally a, the, the most insane purist where he's like, I have that Moog uh, guitar. It's going to do the one sound that it always does. I have that Yamaha. It's going to do the one meat stick do you know sound. The, That's the only thing it's going to do. Do you know the guitar? Do you know where he got that? No. Rick James estate sale. That's fucking funny. Liquidated estate sale? <laughs> I think That's so. That's fucking funny. <laughs> like, uh, maybe not, but apparently Rick James owned that guitar. <laughs> That's fucking funny. But you know what I'm like? To me, there's this. I mean, these guys are what? In their 50s? That's he is. Mid 50s? He's in that era of like, if you want that proper sound, you get the right thing. And we're now starting to hit this moment in time where it's like, well, you can actually squeeze a bunch of those things down into one other thing. Like, even if it is the Yamaha for the meat stick sound, there is now a synth that is top of the line that you can get right now that has that same exact, like, presets from that specific keyboard embedded in it. And I want him to finally realize, like, hey, you're he only has so much real estate space. He's got basically two keyboards on two sides of the four sides that he has access to. And then the other one side has three keyboards on it, and the other one has two. Just get get to the point. Yeah. Skip to the end. Learn how to use the technology in a way that it's actually to your benefit. I think Paige could become a way more playful person if he fucking rocks out on technology. Stop screaming in the microphone. First of all, I don't really necessarily tend to agree with you here um, at all. But... Like, Can it's fine. Just, like, Karini's just... 
like weird chuggy. Is that Gordo doing the fuzz on the bottom? Chuggy, crazy, yeah, crazy shit. Sorry, continue. Um, I mean, I made my point. You're bo- you okay? So you're you're onto the rigs thing. Should we talk about what J3PO? What you were talking to me about briefly? I think yeah, we're gonna have to earlier. extend this into a second part because this segment's already been going for hot hour it's fine we only have one more <laughs> show to talk about so just okay. talk talk a little bit about the trays rig and what so, you were telling me earlier yeah the newer tray rigs are insane uh they i mean it's an ever-changing thing and it has been all of 3.0 so one of the things i was telling liz about is trey is obsessed with Derek trucks that's one of his favorite guitar players they could be no different. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's like night and day, these two people. But so when you go see like Tedeschi and Trucks or like Derek Trucks with the Allman Brothers, this guitar plugged into an amp. It's a Gibson SG plugged into his fucking amp. When he wants gain, he turns his volume up. All those other sounds he makes with his fucking hands. He finger picks. He uses a slide. He uses fucking fingers he can bend he's got the greatest vibrato he's one of the greatest guitar players of all fucking time if absolutely you, if you like i've Southern seen him rock. live he's so fucking good i when mean he puts the slide down and fucking shreds he's one of the greatest shredders i've ever seen and he's using his fingers like he fit he plucks like he uses all four or at least three of his actual like he doesn't use a pick he's an amazing guitar player it's a very pure tone it's a gibson sg plugged into whatever fucking amp he uses right that's the purest thing you can get. Trey was like, I was obsessed with that. I need that. But I also have to have all my toys because Fish is about being like, wah, 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 you know? Right. And so he's got these, these new amps that he's using. And I mean, if you go to traysguitarrig.com. Those new amps are insane. They are insane. He ditched the Languidox. They're, yeah, he, those are no more, which I missed the visual of that because that was like classic. For, yeah, 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 you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but these new amps are like, these cr- I actually looked them up one time. I think they're like five. It's like five thousand dollars for the head, and then the cabinets like fucking. Okay, it's so <laughs> listen. Let me talk about this because um, what's awesome is uh, for the last New Year's run and this run, if we really want to get into the thing of it, um, he has a clean only channel that has a whole set of amps. And then he has a wet channel. And now, then he got these... Okay, so there's like... He has these amps called Ambicabs. Yeah. And so they have 12-inch speakers and 10-inch speakers on separate line sets. And so right. one set of speakers is your wet, which is all your effects, and one set of speakers is your pure. Yeah. Then he has another set of these things called SGAs, which are special guest amplifiers from a fucking boutique in manhattan and they won't say what they are or who made them or what they are it's like a prototype made for him they won't say and those they have cabinets that are facing the other way with mics on them that way so you can't hear them in the main mix there are like something like a hundred ambient mics on the stage for fish with all their amps and the drum kit and all that and so gary brown has to mix all this shit yeah. like, <laughs> that like, guy it's is incredibly amazing like dude <laughs> like but trey's guitar has never sounded so cool and so but basically like the thing is is like he's really isolated his pure tones and his wet tones and even some of his wet tones like 
don't overlap each other. So it's like, you know, when you, like if you have just a bunch of pedals and it's like, oh, I hit my delay pedal, my flanger pedal, my distortion pedal, and then all of a sudden your guitar just sounds muddy as shit and you can't hear anything. Yeah. He gets clear, precise tones with every single sound that he well, has, and it's super calculated and too complicated to even explain. Like, I, I, don't, say, I looked well, at the signal flow chart, and even I was like, I've been playing guitars in seventh grade. I'm an AV guy. Like, I, I was like, this is a hard flow chart well to, i was like, gonna say there's, a, there's, like, there's a stage of playing guitar that you hit where you start realizing there's the the channel flow of like my guitar plugged into the amp and yep. i have effects plugged into that chain in between it but then yeah. there's the send of the amp like yeah. the pass that like then goes to another set of effects that then goes back to the amp and like i feel like once you hit that level you've hit like an, a different understanding of what you're trying to do with your sound and you're saying you just did that like four times over. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> it's like, like what he's doing is nuts. With his, and not only does he have the greatest guitars ever fucking made for him. Right. Like, I mean, it's just, it, it's incredible. Everybody's tone is incredible. Uh, like, it's, it's amazing. They're at a fucking amazing point in that regard. The yeah. only thing that, to me, Fish is lacking in this day and age is just like, they're just older. And so you're never going to get that 94 possum anymore. Right. Or those run like an antelopes from, you know. But really, if I'm trying, if I'm understanding you correctly, even from this one episode, is that you're, really that just boils down to a very specific type of energy yeah. that you're going to see. Like, again, you're not going to see. They're still energetic. Trey, yeah. like, shred, like, he's jerking off, no tomorrow type shit. But they, well, you they, are. You're just. It's just different now than it was then. But it's He's I, still I, but, jerking off like there's no tomorrow. But still, on to, his guitar. To your point, it's it's better placed. It's like more surgical. It's like you're going in with like a scalpel and being like, "This is exactly where it needs to be." Not exactly. Like, what I'm saying is, is like they just can't ramp it up as much as they did back then. But back then, all they had was energy. Now they have so much other stuff to work with. Right. So it's just different. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah, it's great. I still, you know, I'm into it. I'm into it. You into it? I'm into it. All right. Do you have to? St- we... That song just the, so nothing really much to finish talking about with that show. I love the tune "Have Mercy," the Righteous Gemstones cover. Oh, I think yeah, it's really yeah. fucking great. It's super reggae. And if I was in Mexico on the beach, I'd be like, "Yeah," to get that song. Out of a really chalk dust too, if I'm not. Out mistaken. of a chalk dust. Yep. Into a Life Beyond the Dream. I love all the Ghosts of the Forest song, but <laughs> place in other really awesome sh- songs in between them, I'm like, eh. I get a little deflated. Do you guys I still like them? Long. I still like them and I still sing along to right. them, but I'm like, eh. Which of these are they going to really develop and which of these are they just going to let go because I don't really know if there's room for all of them. Can I ask you both a question? <laughs> yeah. Do you ever, especially because you both now are you know more dialed into this shit more than ever? Do you ever wake up on a Monday and go more than ever? And more than ever, I think you only start learning more shit. You're not becoming a worse fish fan. You're only becoming a better fish fan. And the Lizza is just learning more and more and more. It's I just feel like I've always been like this since 1994. Five or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you ever wake up on a Monday morning and go, "Why the fuck"? Did they end that whole tour with more? <laughs> yeah, all the time. Like, do you ever I mean, like go wake up the next morning and be like, Sunday show, why'd you leave us that way? So, Not so in I, high school. So I want... Only I, in 3.0. 
Really? And I want to okay. talk about the the final night, night four Sunday, a little bit at length, but the encore was ridiculous. It's one, it's two, three, shit. four, five, six songs, and it does end with it's like more. like 30 minutes. <laughs> and I remember you texting me being like, what the fuck are they doing? They're just trying to play every song that like I don't care about. Yeah, like yeah, to yeah. end this fucking run, <laughs> like what are they doing? Rise come together to it, start it, the encore. It, get, it gets that to that song. point yeah. where I think that they just start like, Grasping at things and be like, yeah, I think they were like, but I mean, that was like fucking stupid. I think that like they're excited. I love more. They're <laughs> they are clearly excited about all of these songs that we are not. When they look into the audience, they see a bunch of people not on their cell phones, freaking out, jumping up and down, going, yeah. How would you not be excited about that? So like, like I. Every time I feel like fish heads are like, oh, I have this expectation or like whatever. It's just, I don't like this. And I don't like that. It's like, well, tough shit. This is always, but like, like but you're I, always great with in that. 19. I remember people doing this in 1996, like coming out of Halloween. People 96, are People are like, it. fucking talking heads is bullshit. They should have yeah, played Grateful Dead. Do this. I yeah. thought they were going to play Scarlet Begonias and shit. Like, what the <laughs> but, fuck is this bullshit? fucking talking heads and it's like dude that was the coolest thing i've ever seen but honestly if i could fluff you both up for a second i think that's why i love going to fish shows with the both of you and i love doing that because no matter what and i make fun of the lizzo for this all the time i'm like you guys literally think they shit gold and like i say that to be digging a little bit but like you you love everything they do no matter what there's it's not true there's yeah i don't love everything they do no i i That's say that to exaggeration. me i don't That's a hyperbolic statement i say it to say that like you're just happy to be at the show and you're just happy to experience it. I'm happy to it, get what I get. Like, yeah. I'm happy to get everything But that's I get. not the average fucking fish fan anymore. Then why, well, do, they go, then why do they go to every show? Why Hold do they on. continue to go to shows? I think They're, you're wrong. Okay, I want to talk about this. And I'd like to make this point, especially with fish Twitter and fish fa- Facebook and stuff. Yeah. There is a definite discord between people bitching on Twitter and people happily lapping it up at the show. Huh. When people are at the show... People on Twitter are like, fucking sample in a jar, fuck sick of this fucking bullshit. <laughs> they never even jam on it. Fuck this song. Look in the audience when they're playing sample in the jar. <laughs> yeah, everybody's raging. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like, so what the fuck? Like, there is a complete discord between the online criticism and like what we're doing, a podcast, and like people at the actual show, man. Right. Most of those people are really having a great time, you know? Yeah. So it's why most people end up being like long-term, you know, fish fans. I think my best moment, even in 2010, you know, I walked away from my first show being like, it was was good. But the most impactful moment was turning around and watching everybody in the same beat, doing the same sway. Like everybody just bouncing up and down to the same thing and being like, this is no matter what, no matter how much criticism you want to bring into this, this is a raging party. It's the Point biggest point. dance party of it's all the, time, dude. It's, like, it's great. Like, yeah. It's. Any notable phenomenal. things to talk about for night four, closing night? I love ca- Crowd Control. It's one of my all time favorite songs, and they always open with it, and I love to get it. It is in the open opening slot it. a lot. I um, love it. I thought they were going to open with uh, Breath and Burning, but. It was a few songs later. I'm always late on those, few, those picks. A few songs later. This is an interesting show to talk about, too, because it was an early show um, during the daytime, and a lot of the banter 
like you're just reading, but that we were listening to, uh, was about how they can actually see the people they were playing the music to for the first time. Oh, I saw that thing with Trey telling him, you guys look like normal people. And everybody's like, oh, Trey's being, he said ugly. He actually (laughs) said everybody's ugly. He said mediocre. Uh, Right, right, right. right. But, um, the funny thing about that is the social, again, the Twitter backlash is like, Trey should be more sensitive. People have like self-esteem issues. And it's like, uh, the point he later tried to make was like, what if the lights turn on and you all look like a bunch of social super, media influencers, yeah, like yeah, influencers, yeah, yeah. like Firefest or whatever. That he, wouldn't he be was, yeah, He yeah. was in a way backhandedly complimenting them because he was saying they were all ordinary and they were all look ordinary. It was so all it, misunderstood. It, it comforted <laughs> him to see that everybody else was just ordinary. At certain points, right. I wish they but would he, he not said it, talk. He, he did say it in a fucked up way and then that's why it goes down into banter later because then Fishman's yeah. like, Fishman brings oh, it back this up. This guy, he's going to apologize. Yeah, it. classic you because you always say the most rotten things and then you have to like come back apologize, and yeah, yeah. say like, I didn't mean to say it that way. It's like, weird. It reminds me of me. <laughs> it's 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 funny to see the interaction between the band members, and I do like that. And I think it is really cool and fun. You get a little little peek. That was a little too much banter for me. It is a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, of but you're like classic. Don't talk at all. Just play through the whole song, and I'll read it in post. <laughs> like I don't have to hear you say anything. It's always your. your that's well, like yeah, that's you and your best fish moment. I feel like. Yeah, I don't want to hear them talk. I want to hear them play music. Uh, yeah. but a little bit of banter is fun. Oh, you want you don't want that Kanye West like let me serve you how the world works. Yeah, type I, of... I don't need that fucking <laughs> shit. Like I don't need speeches from anybody unless it's a narration about how Colonel Forbin got to Game Hedge. <laughs> then you can fucking talk. Uh, whatever. Um, but I don't know. Um, that last night I thought was really good. I didn't like at first the idea that they were going to play an early set, but what I really did like watching it was actually seeing the venue. Yeah, because normally it's at night and you can't, and it's like wow, literally right on the water. Wow, they were like on the. I beach mean, you could tell it's the on the water, but like you couldn't, like you can see the resorts in the back, the security guards up on that hill. They have the dunes, <laughs> and like you could just see the, the whole lifeguards in the and water. Also, on the, uh, what I could see was surfboards. When you look at the people right up front. And then the next row back and the next row, everybody can do like spaced out. Yeah. They have arm like, like yeah, nobody was, that, yeah. there's only 4,000 people there. And so they all can just, space everybody out. has their own space. And that the, for the first time seeing that daytime set, I was like, damn, I should go to Mexico. I wish I were there. <laughs> I had never thought that before because of the price of it. And I was like, yeah, they always play sloppy, but this run made me be like, Dude, I have a little FOMO. Like, well, like the three of us are all going to Atlantic City. I doubt it's going to be like that. It's not going to be like, like, like twenty thousand people. Yeah, 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 it's like going to be fifteen thousand people. It's going to be nuts. I feel bad for those lifeguards. And they might actually have to cancel it because Corona is going to kill. No, us shut up. Shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your mouth. All right. So, why don't you tell us what we're uh, going on our set break for, or with? I should say. Oh, so we're going to hear uh, more jams. I like the jams more than anything of this run. Uh, everything's right. We're going to fade it in in about 10 minutes. We're going to take a little break. Actually, we should so just, just play, hold we tight, should play the whole thing because it'll cover our break, right? No, um, just, just start it at... You don't need to play the intro. You, just, you need <laughs> to start it at 10 minutes. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll see you after this short uh, 18 minute break. Just hold tight. Uh... 
Due to the fish segment this episode taking up pretty much the whole episode, there will be sadly no beer segment on this episode this week. But tune in next week for more beer talk and more fish. I'm the Lizza. And I'm the kids. We'll see you next. <laughs> you must. Thank you.